Section 32 of Rome. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Rome by Emil Zola. Translated by Ernest Vizitelli. Chapter 16, Part 2. Pierre was surprised to see the young attache, for three days previously he had started for Florence, impelled thither by one of the sudden whims of his artistic fancy however he at once apologized for his unceremonious intrusion ah there is your luggage he said i heard that you were going away this evening and i was unwilling to let you leave rome without coming to shake hands with you but what frightful things have happened since we met i only returned this afternoon so that i could not attend the funeral however you may well imagine how thunderstruck i was by the news of those frightful deaths then suspecting some unacknowledged tragedy like a man well acquainted with the legendary dark side of rome he put some questions to pierre but did not insist on them being at bottom far too prudent to burden himself uselessly with redoubtable secrets and after pierre had given him such particulars as he thought fit the conversation changed and they spoke at length of italy rome naples and florence ah florence florence narcisse repeated languorously he had lighted a cigarette and his words fell more slowly as he glanced round the room you were very well lodged here he said it is very quiet i had never come up to this floor before his eyes continued wandering over the walls until they were at last arrested by the old painting which the lamp illumined and thereupon he remained for a moment blinking as if surprised and all at once he rose and approached the picture dear me dear me said he but that's very good that's very fine isn't it rejoined pierre I know nothing about painting but i was stirred by that picture on the very day of my arrival and over and over again it has kept me here with my heart beating and full of indescribable feelings narcisse no longer spoke but examined the painting with the care of a connoisseur an expert whose keen glance decides the question of authenticity and appraises commercial value and the most extraordinary delight appeared upon the young man's fair rapturous face whilst his fingers began to quiver but it's a botticelli it's a botticelli there can be no doubt about it he exclaimed just look at the hands and look at the folds of the drapery and the color of the hair and the technique the flow of the whole composition a botticelli ah mon dieu a botticelli he became quite faint overflowing with increasing admiration as he penetrated more and more deeply into the subject at once so simple and so poignant was it not acutely modern the artist had foreseen our pain-fraught century our anxiety in presence of the invisible our distress at being unable to cross the portal of mystery which was forever closed and what an eternal symbol of the world's wretchedness was that woman whose face one could not see and who sobbed so distractedly without it being possible for one to wipe away her tears yes a botticelli unknown uncatalogued what a discovery then he paused to inquire of pierre did you know it was a botticelli oh no i spoke to don vigilio about it one day but he seemed to think it of no account and victorine when i spoke to her replied that all those old things only served to harbour dust narcisse protested quite stupefied what they have a botticelli here and don't know it ah how well i recognize in that the roman princes who unless their masterpieces have been labelled are for the most part utterly at sea among them no doubt this one has suffered a little but a simple cleaning would make a marvel a famous picture of it for which a museum would at least give 
he abruptly stopped completing his sentence with a wave of the hand and not mentioning the figure which was on his lips and then as victorine came in followed by giacomo to lay the little table for pierre's supper he turned his back upon the botticelli and said no more about it the young priest's attention was aroused however and he could well divine what was passing in the other's mind under that make-believe florentine all angelicalness there was an experienced businessman who well knew how to look after his pecuniary interests and was even reported to be somewhat avaricious pierre who was aware of it could not help smiling therefore when he saw him take his stand before another picture a frightful virgin badly copied from some eighteenth-century canvas and exclaim dear me that's not at all bad i've a friend i remember who asked me to buy him some old paintings i say victorine now that donna seraphina and the cardinal are left alone do you think they would like to rid themselves of a few valueless pictures the servant raised her arms as if to say that if it depended on her everything might be carried away then she replied not to a dealer sir on account of the nasty rumours which would at once spread about but i'm sure they would be happy to please a friend the house costs a lot to keep up and money would be welcome pierre then vainly endeavoured to persuade narcisse to stay and sup with him but the young man gave his word of honour that he was expected elsewhere and was even late and forthwith he ran off after pressing the priest's hands and affectionately wishing him a good journey eight o'clock was striking and pierre seated himself at the little table victorine remaining to serve him after dismissing giacomo who had brought the supper things upstairs in a basket the people here make me wild said the worthy woman after the other had gone they are so slow and besides it's a pleasure for me to serve you your last meal monsieur l'abbé i've had a little french dinner cooked for you a solo gratin and a roast fowl pierre was touched by this attention and pleased to have the company of a compatriot whilst he partook of his final meal amidst the deep silence of the old black deserted mansion the buxom figure of victorine was still instinct with mourning with grief for the loss of her dear contesina but her daily toil was already setting her erect again restoring her quick activity and she spoke almost cheerfully whilst passing plates and dishes to pierre and to think monsieur l'abbé said she that you'll be in paris on the morning of the day after to-morrow as for me you know it seems as if i only left orno yesterday ah oh, what fine soil there is there rich soil yellow like gold not like their poor stuff here which smells of sulphur and the pretty fresh willows beside our stream too and the little wood so full of moss they've no moss here their trees look like tin under that stupid sun of theirs which burns up the grass mon dieu in the early times i would have given i don't know what for a good fall of rain to soak me and wash away all the dust ah i shall never get used to their awful rome what a country and what people pierre was quite enlivened by her stubborn fidelity to her own nook which after five and twenty years of absence still left her horrified with that city of crude light and black vegetation true daughter as she was of a smiling and temperate clime which of a morning was steeped in rosy mist but now that your young mistress is dead said he what keeps you here why don't you take the train with me she looked at him in surprise go off with you go back to orno oh it's impossible monsieur l'abbé it would be too ungrateful to begin with for donna seraphina is accustomed to me and it would be bad on my part to forsake her and his eminence now that they are in trouble and besides what could i do elsewhere no my little hole is here now so you will never see or know again no never that's certain and you don't mind being buried here in their ground which smells of sulphur 
she burst into a frank laugh oh she said i don't mind where i am when i'm dead one sleeps well everywhere and it's funny that you should be so anxious as to what there may be when one's dead there's nothing i'm sure that's what tranquillizes me to feel that it will be all over and that i shall have a rest the good god owes us that after we've worked so hard you know that i'm not devout oh dear no still that doesn't prevent me from behaving properly and true as i stand here i've never had a lover it seems foolish to say such a thing at my age still i say it because it's the sober truth she continued laughing like the worthy woman she was having no belief in priests and yet without a sin upon her conscience and pierre once more marvelled at the simple courage and great practical common sense of this laborious and devoted creature who for him personified the whole unbelieving lowly class of france those who no longer believe and will believe never more ah to be as she was to do one's work and lie down for the eternal sleep without any revolt of pride satisfied with the one joy of having accomplished one's share of toil when pierre had finished his supper victorine summoned giacomo to clear the things away and as it was only half-past eight she advised the priest to spend another quiet hour in his room why go and catch a chill by waiting at the station she could send for a cab at half-past nine and as soon as it arrived she would send word to him and have his luggage carried down he might be easy as to that and need trouble himself about nothing when she had gone off pierre soon sank into a deep reverie it seemed to him indeed as if he had already quitted rome as if the city were far away and he could look back on it and his experiences within it his book new rome arose in his mind and he remembered his first morning on the janiculum his view of rome from the terrace of san pietro in montorio a rome such as he had dreamt of so young and ethereal under the pure sky it was then that he had asked himself the decisive question could catholicism be renewed could it revert to the spirit of primitive christianity become the religion of the democracy the faith which the distracted modern world in danger of death awaits in order that it may be pacified and live his heart had then beaten with hope and enthusiasm after his disaster at lourdes from which he had scarcely recovered he had come to attempt another and supreme experiment by asking rome what her reply to his question would be and now the experiment had failed he knew what answer rome had returned him through her ruins her monuments her very soil her people her prelates her cardinals her pope no catholicism could not be renewed no it could not revert to the spirit of primitive christianity no it could not become the religion of the democracy the new faith which might save the old toppling societies in danger of death though it seemed to be of democratic origin it was henceforth riveted to that roman soil it remained kingly in spite of everything forced to cling to the principle of temporal power under penalty of suicide bound by tradition enchained by dogma its evolutions mere simulations whilst in reality it was reduced to such immobility that behind the bronze doors of the vatican the papacy was the prisoner the ghost of eighteen centuries of atavism indulging the ceaseless dream of universal dominion there where with priestly faith exalted by love of the suffering and the poor he had come to seek life and a resurrection of the christian communion he had found death the dust of a destroyed world in which nothing more could germinate an exhausted soil whence now there could never grow aught but that despotic papacy the master of bodies as it was of souls 
to his distracted cry asking for a new religion rome had been content to reply by condemning his book as a work tainted with heresy and he himself had withdrawn it amidst the bitter grief of his disillusions he had seen he had understood and all had collapsed and it was himself his soul and his brain which lay among the ruins pierre was stifling he rose threw the window overlooking the tiber wide open and leant out the rain had begun to fall again at the approach of evening but now it had once more ceased the atmosphere was very mild moist even oppressive the moon must have arisen in the ashen grey sky for her presence could be divined behind the clouds which she illumined with a vague yellow mournful light and under that slumberous glimmer the vast horizon showed blackly and phantom-like the janiculum in front with the close-packed houses of the trastevere the river flowing away yonder on the left towards the dim height of the palatine whilst on the right the dome of st peter's showed forth round and domineering in the pale atmosphere pierre could not see the quirinal but divined it to be behind him and could picture its long façade shutting off part of the sky and what a collapsing rome half devoured by the gloom was this so different from the rome all youth and dreamland which he had beheld and passionately loved on the day of his arrival he remembered the three symbolic summits which had then summed up for him the whole long history of rome the ancient the papal and the italian city but if the palatine had remained the same discrowned mount on which there only rose the phantom of the ancestor augustus emperor and pontiff master of the world he now pictured st peter's and the quirinal as strangely altered to that royal palace which he had so neglected and which had seemed to him like a flat low barrack to that new government which had brought him the impression of some attempt at sacrilegious modernity he now accorded the large increasing space that they occupied in the panorama the whole of which they would apparently soon fill whilst on the contrary st peter's that dome which he had found so triumphal all azure reigning over the city like a gigantic and unshakable monarch at present seemed to him full of cracks and already shrinking as if it were one of those huge old piles which through the secret unsuspected decay of their timbers at times fall to the ground in one mass a murmur a growling plaint rose from the swollen tiber and pierre shivered at the icy abysmal breath which swept past his face and his thoughts of the three summits and their symbolic triangle aroused within him the memory of the sufferings of the great silent multitude of poor and lowly for whom pope and king had so long disputed it all dated from long ago from the day when in dividing the inheritance of augustus the emperor had been obliged to content himself with men's bodies leaving their souls to the pope whose one idea had henceforth been to gain the temporal power of which god in his person was despoiled all the middle ages had been disturbed and ensanguined by the quarrel till at last the silent multitude weary of vexations and miseries spoke out threw off the papal yoke at the reformation and later on began to overthrow its kings and then as pierre had written in his book a new fortune had been offered to the pope that of reverting to the ancient dream by dissociating himself from the fallen thrones and placing himself on the side of the wretched in the hope that this time he would conquer the people win it entirely for himself was it not prodigious to see that man leo thirteen despoiled of his kingdom allowing himself to be called a socialist assembling under his banner the great flock of the disinherited and marching against the kings at the head of that fourth estate to whom the coming century will belong the eternal struggle for possession of the people continued as bitterly as ever even in rome itself where pope and king who could see each other from their windows contended together like falcon and hawk for the little birds of the woods 
and in this for pierre lay the reason why catholicism was fatally condemned for it was of monarchical essence to such a point that the apostolic and roman papacy could not renounce the temporal power under penalty of becoming something else and disappearing in vain did it feign a return to the people in vain did it seek to appear all soul there was no room in the midst of the world's democracies for any such total and universal sovereignty as that which it claimed to hold from god pierre ever beheld the imperator sprouting up afresh in the pontifex maximus and it was this in particular which had killed his dream destroyed his book heaped up all those ruins before which he remained distracted without either strength or courage the sight of that ashen rome whose edifices faded away into the night at last brought him such a heart-pang that he came back into the room and fell on a chair near his luggage never before had he experienced such distress of spirit it seemed like the death of his soul after his disaster at lourdes he had not come to rome in search of the candid and complete faith of a little child but the superior faith of an intellectual being rising above rites and symbols and seeking to ensure the greatest possible happiness of mankind based on its need of certainty and if this collapsed if catholicism could not be rejuvenated and become the religion and moral law of the new generations if the pope at rome and with rome could not be the father the arch of alliance the spiritual leader whom all hearkened to and obeyed why then in pierre's eyes the last hope was wrecked the supreme rending which must plunge present-day society into the abyss was near at hand that scaffolding of catholic socialism which had seemed to him so happily devised for the consolidation of the old church now appeared to him lying on the ground and he judged it severely as a mere passing expedient which might perhaps for some years prop up the ruined edifice but which was simply based on an intentional misunderstanding on a skilful lie on politics and diplomacy no no that the people should once again as so many times before be duped and gained over caressed in order that it might be enthralled this was repugnant to one's reason and the whole system appeared degenerate dangerous temporary calculated to end in the worst catastrophes so this then was the finish nothing remained erect and stable the old world was about to disappear amidst the frightful sanguinary crisis whose approach was announced by such indisputable signs and he before that chaos near at hand had no soul left him having once more lost his faith in that decisive experiment which he had felt beforehand would either strengthen him or strike him down for ever the thunderbolt had fallen and now o oh god what should he do to shake off his anguish he began to walk across the room ay what should he do now that he was all doubt again all dolorous negation and that his cassock weighed more heavily than it had ever weighed upon his shoulders he remembered having told monsignor nani that he would never submit would never be able to resign himself and kill his hope in salvation by love but would rather reply by a fresh book in which he would say in what new soil the new religion would spring up yes a flaming book against rome in which he would set down all he had seen a book which would depict the real rome the rome which knows neither charity nor love and is dying in the pride of its purple he had spoken of returning to paris leaving the church and going to the point of schism well his luggage now lay there packed he was going off and he would write that book he would be the great schismatic who was awaited did not everything foretell approaching schism amidst that great movement of men's minds weary of old mummified dogmas and yet hungering for the divine even leo xiii must be conscious of it for his whole policy his whole effort towards christian unity 
his assumed affection for the democracy had no other object than that of grouping the whole family around the papacy and consolidating it so as to render the pope invincible in the approaching struggle but the times had come catholicism would soon find that it could grant no more political concessions without perishing that at rome it was reduced to the immobility of an ancient hieratic idol and that only in the lands of propaganda where it was fighting against other religions could further evolution take place it was indeed for this reason that rome was condemned the more so as the abolition of the temporal power by accustoming men's minds to the idea of a purely spiritual papacy seemed likely to conduce to the rise of some anti-pope far away whilst the successor of st peter was compelled to cling stubbornly to his apostolic and roman fiction a bishop a priest would arise where who could tell perhaps yonder in that free america where there are priests whom the struggle for life has turned into convinced socialists into ardent democrats who are ready to go forward with the coming century and whilst rome remains unable to relinquish aught of her past aught of her mysteries and dogmas that priest will relinquish all of those things which fall from one in dust ah to be that priest to be that great reformer that saviour of modern society what a vast dream what a part akin to that of a messiah summoned by the nations in distress for a moment pierre was transported as by a breeze of hope and triumph if that great change did not come in france in paris it would come elsewhere yonder across the ocean or farther yet wherever there might be a sufficiently fruitful soil for the new seed to spring from it in overflowing harvests a new religion a new religion even as he had cried on returning from lourdes a religion which in particular should not be an appetite for death a religion which should at last realize here below that kingdom of god referred to in the gospel and which should equitably divide terrestrial wealth and with the law of labor ensure the rule of truth and justice in the fever of this fresh dream pierre already saw the pages of his new book flaring before him when his eyes fell upon an object lying upon a chair which at first surprised him this also was a book that work of theophile morin's which orlando had commissioned him to hand to its author and he felt annoyed with himself at having left it there for he might have forgotten it altogether before putting it into his valise he retained it for a moment in his hand turning its pages over his ideas changing as by a sudden mental revolution the work was however a very modest one one of those manuals for the bachelor's degree containing little beyond the first elements of the sciences still all the sciences were represented in it and it gave a fair summary of the present state of human knowledge and it was indeed science which thus burst upon pierre's reverie with the energy of sovereign power not only was catholicism swept away from his mind but all his religious conceptions every hypothesis of the divine tottered and fell only that little schoolbook nothing but the universal desire for knowledge that education which ever extends and penetrates the whole people and behold the mysteries became absurdities the dogmas crumbled and nothing of ancient faith was left a nation nourished upon science no longer believing in mysteries and dogmas in a compensatory system of reward and punishment is a nation whose faith is forever dead and without faith catholicism cannot be therein is the blade of the knife the knife which falls and severs if one century if two centuries be needed science will take them she alone is eternal it is pure naivete to say that reason is not contrary to faith the truth is that now already in order to save mere fragments of the sacred writings it has been necessary to accommodate them to the new certainties by taking refuge in the assertion that they are simply symbolical 
and what an extraordinary attitude is that of the catholic church expressly forbidding all those who may discover a truth contrary to the sacred writings to pronounce upon it in definitive fashion and ordering them to await events in the conviction that this truth will some day be proved an error only the pope says the church is infallible science is fallible her constant groping is exploited against her and divines remain on the watch striving to make it appear that her discoveries of to-day are in contradiction with her discoveries of yesterday what do her sacrilegious assertions what do her certainties rending dogma asunder matter to a catholic since it is certain that at the end of time she science will again join faith and become the latter's very humble slave voluntary blindness and impudent denial of things as evident as the sunlight can no further go but all the same the insignificant little book the manual of truth travels on continuing its work destroying error and building up the new world even as the infinitesimal agents of life build up our present continents in the sudden great enlightenment which had come on him pierre at last felt himself on firm ground has science ever retreated it is catholicism which has always retreated before her and will always be forced to retreat never does science stop step by step she wrests truth from error and to say that she is bankrupt because she cannot explain the world in one word and at one effort is pure and simple nonsense if she leaves and no doubt always will leave a smaller and smaller domain to mystery and if supposition may always strive to explain that mystery it is none the less certain that she ruins and with each successive hour will add to the ruin of the ancient hypotheses those which crumble away before the acquired truths and catholicism is in the position of those ancient hypotheses and will be in it yet more thoroughly to-morrow like all religions it is at the bottom but an explanation of the world a superior social and political code intended to bring about the greatest possible sum of peace and happiness on earth this code which embraces the universality of things thenceforth becomes human and mortal like everything that is human one cannot put it on one side and say that it exists on one side by itself whilst science does the same on the other science is total and has already shown catholicism that such is the case and will show it again and again by compelling it to repair the breaches incessantly effected in its ramparts till the day of victory shall come with the final assault of resplendent truth frankly it makes one laugh to hear people assign a role to science forbid her to enter such and such a domain predict to her that she shall go no further and declare that at this end of the century she is already so weary that she abdicates oh you little men of shallow or distorted brains you politicians planning expedients you dogmatics at bay you authoritarians so obstinately clinging to the ancient dreams science will pass on and sweep you all away like withered leaves pierre continued glancing through the humble little book listening to all it told him of sovereign science she cannot become bankrupt for she does not promise the absolute she is simply the progressive conquest of truth never has she pretended that she could give the whole truth at one effort that sort of edifice being precisely the work of metaphysics of revelation of faith the role of science on the contrary is only to destroy error as she gradually advances and increases enlightenment and thus far from becoming bankrupt in her march which nothing stops she remains the only possible truth for well-balanced and healthy minds as for those whom she does not satisfy who crave for immediate and universal knowledge they have the resource of seeking refuge in no matter what religious hypothesis provided if they wish to appear in the right that they build their fancy upon acquired certainties everything which is raised on proven error falls however although religious feeling persists among mankind although the need of religion may be eternal 
it by no means follows that catholicism is eternal for it is after all but one form of religion which other forms preceded and which others will follow religions may disappear but religious feeling will create new ones even with the help of science pierre thought of that alleged repulse of science by the present-day awakening of mysticism the causes of which he had indicated in his book the discredit into which the idea of liberty had fallen among the people duped in the last social reorganization and the uneasiness of the elite in despair at the void in which their liberated minds and enlarged intelligences have left them it is the anguish of the unknown springing up again but it is also only a natural and momentary reaction after so much labor on finding that science does not yet calm our thirst for justice our desire for security or our ancient idea of an eternal afterlife of enjoyment in order however that catholicism might be born anew as some seem to think it will be the social soil would have to change and it cannot change it no longer possesses the sap needful for the renewal of a decaying formula which schools and laboratories destroy more and more each day the ground is other than it once was a different oak must spring from it may science therefore have her religion for such a religion will soon be the only one possible for the coming democracies for the nations whose knowledge ever increases whilst their catholic faith is already naught but dust and all at once by way of conclusion pierre bethought himself of the idiocy of the congregation of the index it had condemned his book and would surely condemn the other one that he had thought of should he ever write it a fine piece of work truly to fall tooth and nail on the poor books of an enthusiastic dreamer in which chimera contended with chimera yet the congregation was so foolish as not to interdict that little book which he held in his hands that humble book which alone was to be feared which was the ever triumphant enemy that would surely overthrow the church modest it was in its cheap get-up as a school manual but that did not matter danger began with the very alphabet increased as knowledge was acquired and burst forth with those resumes of the physical chemical and natural sciences which bring the very creation as described by holy writ into question however the index dared not attempt to suppress those humble volumes those terrible soldiers of truth those destroyers of faith what was the use then of all the money which leo thirteen drew from his hidden treasure of the peter's pence to subvention catholic schools with the thought of forming the believing generations which the papacy needed to enable it to conquer what was the use of that precious money if it was only to serve for the purchase of similar insignificant yet formidable volumes which could never be sufficiently cooked and expurgated but would always contain too much science that growing science which one day would blow up both vatican and st peter's ah that idiotic and impotent index what wretchedness and what derision then when pierre had placed theophile morin's book in his valise he once more returned to the window and while leaning out beheld an extraordinary vision under the cloudy coppery sky in the mild and mournful night patches of wavy mist had risen hiding many of the house roofs with trailing shreds which looked like shrouds entire edifices had disappeared and he imagined that the times were at last accomplished and that truth had at last destroyed st peter's dome in a hundred or a thousand years it would be like that fallen obliterated from the black sky one day already he had felt it tottering and cracking beneath him and had foreseen that this temple of catholicism would fall even as jove's temple had fallen on the capital and it was over now the dome had strewn the ground with fragments and all that remained standing in addition to a portion of the apse were five columns of the central nave still upholding a shred of entablature 
and four cyclopean buttress piers on which the dome had rested piers which still arose isolated and superb looking indestructible amongst all the surrounding downfall but a denser mist flowed past another thousand years no doubt went by and then nothing whatever remained the apse the last pillars the giant piers themselves were felled the wind had swept away their dust and it would have been necessary to search the soil beneath the brambles and the nettles to find a few fragments of broken statues marbles with mutilated inscriptions on the sense of which learned men were unable to agree and as formerly on the capitol among the buried remnants of jupiter's temple goats strayed and climbed through the solitude browsing upon the bushes amidst the deep silence of the oppressive summer sunlight which only the buzzing flies disturbed then only then did pierre feel the supreme collapse within him it was really all over science was victorious nothing of the old world remained what use would it be then to become the great schismatic the reformer who was awaited would it not simply mean the building up of a new dream only the eternal struggle of science against the unknown her searching pursuing inquiry which incessantly moderated man's thirst for the divine now seemed to him of import leaving him waiting to know if she would ever triumph so completely as to suffice mankind by satisfying all its wants and in the disaster which had overcome his apostolic enthusiasm in presence of all those ruins having lost his faith and even his hope of utilizing old catholicism for social and moral salvation there only remained reason that held him up she had at one moment given way if he had dreamt that book and had just passed through that terrible crisis it was because sentiment had once again overcome reason within him it was his mother so to say who had wept in his heart who had filled him with an irresistible desire to relieve the wretched and prevent the massacres which seemed near at hand and his passion for charity had thus swept aside the scruples of his intelligence but it was his father's voice that he now heard lofty and bitter reason which though it had fled at present came back in all sovereignty as he had done already after lourdes he protested against the glorification of the absurd and the downfall of common sense reason alone enabled him to walk erect and firm among the remnants of the old beliefs even amidst the obscurities and failures of science ah reason it was through her alone that he suffered through her alone that he could content himself and he swore that he would now always seek to satisfy her even if in doing so he should lose his happiness at that moment it would have been vain for him to ask what he ought to do everything remained in suspense the world stretched before him still littered with the ruins of the past of which to-morrow it would perhaps be rid yonder in that dolorous faubourg of paris he would find good abbe rose who but a few days previously had written begging him to return and tend love and save his poor since rome so dazzling from afar was dead to charity and around the good and peaceful old priest he would find the ever-growing flock of wretched ones the little fledglings who had fallen from their nests pale with hunger and shivering with cold the households of abominable misery in which the father drank and the mother became a prostitute while the sons and the daughters sank into vice and crime the dwellings too through which famine swept where all was filth and shameful promiscuity where there was neither furniture nor linen nothing but purely animal life and then there would also come the cold blasts of winter the disasters of slack times the hurricanes of consumption carrying off the weak whilst the strong clenched their fists and dreamt of vengeance one evening too perhaps he might again enter some room of horror and find that another mother had killed herself and her five little ones her last born in her arms clinging to her drained breast 
and the others scattered over the bare tiles at last contented feeling hunger no more now that they were dead but no no such awful things were no longer possible such black misery conducting to suicide in the heart of that great city of paris which is brimful of wealth intoxicated with enjoyment and flings millions out of window for mere pleasure the very foundations of the social edifice were rotten all would soon collapse amidst mire and blood never before had pierre so acutely realized the derisive futility of charity and all at once he became conscious that the long-awaited word the word which was at last springing from the great silent multitude the crushed and gagged people was justice ay justice not charity charity had only served to perpetuate misery justice perhaps would cure it it was for justice that the wretched hungered an act of justice alone could sweep away the olden world so that the new one might be reared after all the great silent multitude would belong neither to vatican nor to quirinal neither to pope nor to king if it had covertly growled through the ages in its long sometimes mysterious and sometimes open contest if it had struggled betwixt pontiff and emperor who each had wished to retain it for himself alone it had only done so in order that it might free itself proclaim its resolve to belong to none on the day when it should cry justice would to-morrow then at last prove that day of justice and truth for his part pierre amidst his anguish having on one hand that need of the divine which tortures man and on the other sovereignty of reason which enables man to remain erect was only sure of one thing that he would keep his vows continue a priest watching over the belief of others though he could not himself believe and would thus chastely and honestly follow his profession amidst haughty sadness at having been unable to renounce his intelligence in the same way as he had renounced his flesh and his dream of saving the nations and again as after lourdes he would wait so deeply was he plunged in reflection at that window face to face with the mist which seemed to be destroying the dark edifices of rome that he did not hear himself called at last however he felt a tap on the shoulder monsieur l'abbé and then as he turned he saw victorine who said to him it is half-past nine the cab is there giacomo has already taken your luggage down you must come away monsieur l'abbé then seeing him blink still dazed as it were she smiled and added you were bidding rome good-bye what a frightful sky there is yes frightful was his reply then they descended the stairs he had handed her a hundred franc note to be shared between herself and the other servants and she apologized for going down before him with the lamp explaining that the old palace was so dark that evening one could scarcely see ah that departure that last descent through the black and empty mansion it quite upset pierre's heart he gave his room that glance of farewell which always saddened him even when he was leaving a spot where he had suffered then on passing don vigilio's chamber whence there came only a quivering silence he pictured the secretary with his head buried in his pillows holding his breath for fear lest he should speak and attract vengeance but it was in particular on the second and first floor landings on passing the closed doors of donna seraphina and the cardinal that pierre quivered with apprehension at hearing nothing but the silence of the grave and as he followed victorine who lamp in hand was still descending he thought of the brother and sister who were left alone in the ruined palace last relics of a world which had half passed away all hope of life had departed with benedetta and dario no resurrection could come from that old maid and that priest who was bound to chastity ah those interminable and lugubrious passages that frigid and gigantic staircase which seemed to descend into nihility those huge halls with cracking walls where all was wretchedness and abandonment 
and that inner court looking like a cemetery with its weeds and its damp porticus where remnants of apollos and venuses were rotting and the little deserted garden fragrant with ripe oranges whither nobody now would ever stray where none would ever meet that adorable contessina under the laurels near the sarcophagus all was now annihilated in abominable mourning in a death-like silence amidst which the two last bocaneras must wait in savage grandeur till their palace should fall about their heads pierre could only just detect a faint sound the gnawing of a mouse perhaps unless it were caused by abbe paparelli attacking the walls of some out-of-the-way rooms preying on the old edifice down below so as to hasten its fall the cab stood at the door already laden with the luggage the box beside the driver the valise on the seat and the priest at once got in oh you have plenty of time said victorine who had remained on the foot pavement nothing has been forgotten i'm glad to see you go off comfortably and indeed at that last moment pierre was comforted by the presence of that worthy woman his compatriot who had greeted him on his arrival and now attended his departure i won't say it till we meet again monsieur l'abbé she exclaimed for i don't fancy that you'll soon be back in this horrid city good-bye monsieur l'abbé good-bye victorine and thank you with all my heart the cab was already going off at a fast trot turning into the narrow sinuous streets which lead to the corso vittorio emanuele it was not raining and so the hood had not been raised but although the damp atmosphere was comparatively mild pierre at once felt a chill however he was unwilling to stop the driver a silent fellow whose only desire seemingly was to get rid of his fare as soon as possible when the cab came out into the corso vittorio emanuele the young man was astonished to find it already quite deserted the houses shut the footways bare and the electric lamps burning all alone in melancholy solitude in truth however the temperature was far from warm and the fog seemed to be increasing hiding the house fronts more and more when pierre passed the cancelleria that stern colossal pile seemed to him to be receding fading away and farther on upon the right at the end of the via di araceli starred by a few smoky gas lamps the capital had quite vanished in the gloom then the thoroughfare narrowed and the cab went on between the dark heavy masses of the jesu and the altieri palace and there in that contracted passage where even on fine sunny days one found all the dampness of old times the quivering priest yielded to a fresh train of thought it was an idea which had sometimes made him feel anxious the idea that mankind starting from over yonder in asia had always marched onward with the sun an east wind had always carried the human seed for future harvests towards the west and for a long while now the cradle of humanity had been stricken with destruction and death as if indeed the nations could only advance by stages leaving exhausted soil ruined cities and degenerate populations behind as they marched from orient to occident towards their unknown goal nineveh and babylon on the banks of the euphrates thebes and memphis on the banks of the nile had been reduced to dust sinking from old age and weariness into a deadly numbness beyond possibility of awakening then decrepitude had spread to the shores of the great mediterranean lake burying both tyre and sidon with dust and afterwards striking carthage with senility whilst it yet seemed in full splendour in this wise as mankind marched on carried by the hidden forces of civilization from east to west it marked each day's journey with ruins and how frightful was the sterility nowadays displayed by the cradle of history that asia and that egypt which had once more lapsed into childhood immobilized in ignorance and degeneracy amidst the ruins of ancient cities that once had been queens of the world 
it was thus pierre reflected as the cab rolled on still he was not unconscious of his surroundings as he passed the palazzo di venezia it seemed to him to be crumbling beneath some assault of the invisible for the mist had already swept away its battlements and the lofty bare fearsome walls looked as if they were staggering from the onslaught of the growing darkness and after passing the deep gap of the corso which was also deserted amidst the pallid radiance of its electric lights the palazzo torlonia appeared on the right hand with one wing ripped open by the picks of demolishers whilst on the left farther up the palazzo colonna showed its long mournful façade and closed windows as if now that it was deserted by its masters and void of its ancient pomp it awaited the demolishers in its turn then as the cab at a slower pace began to climb the ascent of the via nazionale pierre's reverie continued was not rome also stricken had not the hour come for her to disappear amidst that destruction which the nations on the march invariably left behind them greece athens and sparta slumbered beneath their glorious memories and were of no account in the world of to-day moreover the growing paralysis had already invaded the lower portion of the italic peninsula and after naples certainly came the turn of rome she was on the very margin of the death spot which ever extends over the old continent that margin where agony begins where the impoverished soil will no longer nourish and support cities where men themselves seem stricken with old age as soon as they are born for two centuries rome had been declining withdrawing little by little from modern life having neither manufactures nor trade and being incapable even of science literature or art and in pierre's thoughts it was no longer st peter's only that fell but all rome basilicas palaces and entire districts which collapsed amidst a supreme rending and covered the seven hills with a chaos of ruins like nineveh and babylon like thebes and memphis rome became but a plain bossy with remnants amidst which one vainly sought to identify the sites of ancient edifices whilst its sole denizens were coiling serpents and bands of rats the cab turned and on the right in a huge gap of darkness pierre recognized trajan's column but it was no longer gilded by the sun as when he had first seen it it now rose up blackly like the dead trunk of a giant tree whose branches have fallen from old age and farther on when he raised his eyes while crossing the little triangular piazza and perceived a real tree against the leaden sky that parasol pine of the villa aldo brandini which rises there like a symbol of rome's grace and pride it seemed to him but a smudge a little cloud of soot ascending from the downfall of the whole city with the anxious fraternal turn of his feelings fear was coming over him as he reached the end of his tragic dream when the numbness which spreads across the aged world should have passed rome when lombardy should have yielded to it and genoa turin and milan should have fallen asleep as venice has fallen already then would come the turn of france the alps would be crossed marseilles like tyre and sidon would see its port choked up by sand lyon would sink into desolation and slumber and at last paris invaded by the invincible torpor and transformed into a sterile waste of stones bristling with nettles would join rome and nineveh and babylon in death whilst the nations continued their march from orient to occident following the sun a great cry sped through the gloom the death cry of the latin races history which seemed to have been born in the basin of the mediterranean was being transported elsewhere and the ocean had now become the centre of the world how many hours of the human day had gone by had mankind starting from its cradle over yonder at daybreak strewing its road with ruins from stage to stage now accomplished one half of its day and reached the dazzling hour of noon if so then the other half of the day allotted to it was beginning 
the new world was following the old one the new world of those american cities where democracy was forming and the religion of tomorrow was sprouting those sovereign queens of the coming century with yonder across another ocean on the other side of the globe that motionless far east mysterious china and japan and all the threatening swarm of the yellow races however while the cab climbed higher and higher up the via nazionale pierre felt his nightmare dissipating there was here a lighter atmosphere and he came back into a renewal of hope and courage yet the banca d'italia with its brand new ugliness its chalky hugeness looked to him like a phantom in a shroud whilst above a dim expanse of gardens the quirinal formed but a black streak barring the heavens however the street ever ascended and broadened and on the summit of the viminal on the piazza delle terme when he passed the ruins of diocletian's baths he could breathe as his lungs listed no no the human day could not finish it was eternal and the stages of civilization would follow and follow without end what mattered that eastern wind which carried the nations towards the west as if borne on by the power of the sun if necessary they would return across the other side of the globe they would again and again make the circuit of the earth until the day should come when they could establish themselves in peace truth and justice after the next civilization on the shores of the atlantic which would become the world's centre skirted by queenly cities there would spring up yet another civilization having the pacific for its centre with seaport capitals that could not be yet foreseen whose germs yet slumbered on unknown shores and in like way there would be still other civilizations and still others and at that last moment the inspiriting thought came to pierre that the great movement of the nations was the instinct the need which impelled them to return to unity originating in one sole family afterwards parted and dispersed in tribes thrown into collision by fratricidal hatred their tendency was none the less to become one sole family again the provinces united in nations the nations would unite in races and the races would end by uniting in one immortal mankind mankind at last without frontiers or possibility of wars mankind living by just labor amidst an universal commonwealth was not this indeed the evolution the object of the labor progressing everywhere the finish reserved to history might italy then become a strong and healthy nation might concord be established between her and france and might that fraternity of the latin races become the beginning of universal fraternity ah that one fatherland the whole earth pacified and happy in how many centuries would that come and what a dream then on reaching the station the scramble prevented pierre from thinking any further he had to take his ticket and register his luggage and afterwards he at once climbed into the train at dawn on the next day but one he would be back in paris end of section thirty two end of rome by emil zola translated by ernest visitelli